Utah. I've seen trouble all my day. Be so the place where I was born in Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Inside Lewin Davis. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to discuss this movie with Christian Mokranskin. Oh, that's me. I'm going to change it legally at some point. <laughs> Sad acting. And with our Inside Lewin Davis tagline, we have Kelly Wand. Uh, Justin Timberlake song, something Sandra Bullock's character would have uh, likes, would have gravitated to. So I'm having to think, what was Justin Timberlake's song? The space one. Oh, oh, right. Oh, Kennedy, right. Tingus got it. <laughs> Uh, I just didn't think it was that good. All right. Potential spoiler, though, Kelly Wan. You sure you want to let that out of the bag? What did I just let out of the bag? What do they know that they didn't? That Justin Timberlake sings? That, that there's Ooh. a song involving space? They didn't know he could sing. They didn't know space exists. <laughs> what did you let out of the bag? <laughs> ah, see? Uh, see? Schrodinger's dingus. You no, know, we have to apologize. Maybe you haven't seen it. You know, most likely, if you're listening to this uh, around the time we... Which is unlikely itself. Uh, but you you probably haven't seen Inside Lewin Davis because it's a limited release. It's only in a couple of theaters uh, here in L.A., probably in New York. Um, so we're not going to spoil it yet. Don't yeah, have to check that either. Don't turn off the podcast. We're not going to spoil it beyond maybe some elliptical things that we've said that uh, don't worry about those. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that's the disclaimer? Don't worry about it. We haven't really spoiled it. Don't worry about our ellipses. Yeah. Um, that's so but what we are going to do is, uh, I guess, <laughs> tell you what we saw this week. Oh, uh, yeah. From, from Dingus here, who will tell you a little bit about it that doesn't include spoilers. So, Dingus, what, what did we see this week? What's this deal? This week we saw Inside Lewin Davis, mm-hmm. mm. a 2013 drama music movie about a cat finding his way home. <laughs> it was written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Mm. And stars Oscar Isaac, mm. Carrie Mulligan. Yes, Kelly Wand. Wow, interesting. All right. Max Casella, Adam Driver, and Garrett Hedlund. Kelly Wand, do you have a comment for Garrett Hedlund? Guess not. Oh, boy. I think we lost Johnny Five. Um, Inside Lewin Davis is rated R for language, including some sexual references. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, as I mentioned, it's a a very limited release. It's only in a couple of theaters. So basically, as far as the box office, I have to say I don't see a lot of money here. (laughs) Very nice. Hey, you. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes. Tom's our salieri. Tom was with a a partner. He should probably go back to that. (laughs) That's good advice. Once again, possible spoilers. Uh, these are movie references, just so you know. But before we do any egregious spoilers, we'll, we'll warn you. Uh, egregious. Is the- uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive inside Lewin Davis, is at 95%. Oh. Everybody likes it. No telling how much they like it. But for well, the most 5%. part, 19 out of 20 reviewers like or recommend inside Lewin Davis. I read one of the negative ones, just and to what- see. 
Uh, we'll hold that thought, and we'll, right. when we're in spoiler territory, we'll... we'll... Uh, all right, I'll wait until the territory is broached. You're allowed to read other reviews before you do yours. What do you think? Yeah, well, well, 5%, you're always allowed to read if it's a 95-5 split. You always want to read the 5. All right, hold on. Let me write that down. Yeah, right. It's usually uh, white or... Metacritic is the uh, average of reviews that <clears> – <throat> the average of ratings from various reviews. So this is more of a gauge of how much people like it rather than how many people like it. <laughs> Metacritic. So quality versus quantity. Exactly, right. Huh. Uh, it's the difference between craftsmanship and, and pleasing the masses, that sort of thing. If it bends, it's funny. I know that. So on Metacritic, uh, Inside Lewin Davis is currently at 94. Huh. So a lot of people – will really like this movie. But there's still a 1% differential who are undecided. Um, you know, they're decided. They're just not as... They're the Nader ones who saw it. What does Ralph Nader have to do with it? Yeah, if this were an election, Kelly wants... The guy from Star Wars. Oh. Uh, so let's see. Uh, now, if you're listening and, and you're worried about spoilers, I recommend that you just jump ahead to our 3x3. Three three. You know what? Skip the 3x3 three three this week, actually. Jump to the end of the podcast. Just listen to next week, starting now, no matter what your inclination. Uh, so, Kelly Wand, what would you call it if you were to spoil Inside Lewin Davis by, by detailing the events therein? Would there be a name for such a thing? Yes, there would be. And would that name be... The Inside Luopsis. Kinda. Okay, well, what would it be if you had a name for it? Uh, inside Doug Luolopsis. Wait, wow, what did you a, say again? A little People's Court reference. That's yeah, topical, because it's back in the news, because I said it just now. All right, so let's hear the Inside Doug Luolopsis uh, from Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, drive it like you stole it. <clears throat> So many nights, the cat jumps out the window, waiting for someone to carry him home. So many dreams of success being denied me, with the guy from Tron in the car, till the cop comes along. And you ruin my life, you douse my hopes, so I drive past Akron. You darken my days and fill my nights instead of my bong. Not sailing at sea, cause my sister tossed the license. Never enough to cover Jones a Borshawn. And you spoil my life. I fucked it up. <laughs> and you <laughs> spoil my life. You curse my name like the cane of John Goodman. It can't be right. Wait, fucked up again. <clears throat> Key change. It can't be right that I ever liked you. You wasted my time. You talked on and on. Because you... <sighs> Wait, I think I went off on a tangent. First time for everything. That's all I have. Kelly Wan, not since Jared Harris in the movie Happiness has that song been so meaningfully rendered. Mm. 
Oh, there's such a thing as happiness. <laughs> Isn't that doesn't Jared Harris do uh, that this song? Character was he? Have you seen Happiness, the uh, Todd Solon's movie? Yeah. So uh, Joy, the the Russian, her Russian student that she picks up, and and uh, there's a there's a the famous scene in that where he takes up her guitar and he sings "You Light Up My Life" to her. Oh yeah, and, that, and totally that melts her heart. Her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then she steal, he steals all of her her stuff, her stereo, and then she gets beat up by his girlfriend. Spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen Happiness. Well, uh, it's still worth it though if they're Russian. Well, Kelly, one, I now look at you the way that she looked at Jared Harris. How do you feel about that? Admired. Okay. Kelly, what are you wearing? Or oblivious. <laughs> um, is, okay, yeah. I can't. I, I was going to start saying inappropriate lines from happiness, but now I'm not going to do that. I'm going to restrain myself because this is a Coen Brothers movie. And not a Todd Solon movie. Exactly. That would have an entirely Thanks for listening. See you next <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, All right, so let's see. Uh, Dingus, why don't you start us off? Uh, you saw this, I think, before any of us did. Um, oh, did he? I think he so. Yep, he didn't mention it. He went before I did. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that much. Uh, a lot of times, Dingus and I go see the movie together. We didn't. We weren't able to swing out this weekend. So, Dingus, I could see him sort of hanging around the house, not saying anything about Inside Lewin Davis for a day, and wondering, hmm, did he really like it? Is he is he just mum because he didn't like it? Uh, what what's going on in that head of his? So mm-hmm. Dingus, let's spell. What did you think of Inside Lewin Davis? Uh, didn't work for me. Uh, I am crazy <sighs> crazy about um, who's the guy who's the lead? I can't remember. Why can you? Why would you say that, Dingus? Why are you being mean to him? I'm just being mean. Uh, I love uh, Oscar Isaac. I love him like crazy, and I'm so happy that. Um, he gets to be the lead in this movie because he's got this reputation as being this guy that has uh, been in the room, auditioned for things, and directors really love him, but he just never quite gets that lead part, and he finally gets it here. And I love him. I think he's great. Um, In fact, I think I like all the actors in this. I just don't really care for this particular story i don't you care about i don't i don't i don't care about folk singers in 1961 in greenwich village in, in a story that has that that has no plot i just don't i don't know it just doesn't do it for right. me and there's a there's a couple of moments that really turned me off um but he's good enough that that uh that i would you know i'd watch it again just to see him sing these songs i, lo- I love him i love oscar isaac Kelly Wand, uh, you you react strongly to that. He says it's a movie without a plot. Hmm. Uh-huh. Well, that's probably true. I don't contest that. Didn't work for him. The particular setting. Uh, what? I'm sure it didn't work for him. But did it work for you? Did you mind it not having a plot? Uh, are you as enamored of Mr. Isaac as Dingus is? Uh, wait, he liked him. Uh, yes, I believe Dingus did uh, like Oscar. Yes, I, I really, I really like him. I, I don't think he has a whole lot to do. I think he plays, he gets to play basically one emotion. Um, but I, I like the guy so much that I can't help but like him in this, and I like to see him get a shot. I think he's done more interesting things in other movies, but I like him. Uh, afterwards, I came out of it smiling, and the chick I saw it with was all so that movie didn't get to you, and I went. No, it was perfectly made. Why would it get to me? I loved, uh, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. I really related to the character because the Coens said they wanted to make 
the character an asshole who you still liked. So related to the first part. But uh, no one in the movie likes his music ever, and it's kind of like Nebraska, but more artfully made. It's like we live in a world of dumb. I I definitely agree with that. That uh, it's it's like Nebraska, but more artfully made. I'm I'm uh, I I can see Dingus's point, and I I definitely would call my problem with this movie is that it's minor Coen Brothers. Uh, They've done this subject matter better, differently. I think they've done it in a setting that's closer to their hearts. Certainly they've done it in ways that it, it sort of speaks more directly to me. Um, it felt a little bit like a, a curiosity. Uh, and I'm with you, Dingus, in that I didn't really get the point of the, the setting, the, the context. Uh, it, it never seemed to justify itself in a weird way. Um, but I'm also with Kelly in that I, I, I really admire their... Nobody does an existential crisis like the Coen brothers. <laughs> and I, you know, they could set this amongst, uh, the, it doesn't matter the setting. Like, and, I, and, and that's one of the things I admire about it. I went into this thing and, oh, God, folk singers. Yeah. And I was kind yeah. of, one of my favorite things about the movie is it, under, it understood how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally with me, 110%. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, and I went in with that resistance, and that never bothered You know, I never felt it, it was making fun of people like Stark Sands' character, which is what I thought it was going to be, that kind of folk singer stuff, or the, or the three of them up there when they did that trio with, uh, with Carrie Mulligan. I thought it was going to be like that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I liked its disdain for its own subject matter, in, in a way. Um, and, and I'm with you, Kelly, and I think there's a, a kind of Coen Brothers perfection, even if it is minor Coen Brothers, even if it doesn't speak to me. Just their, their craft uh, is just so undeniable, and, and, I, and I, I, I just get so much pleasure out of watching what they do, even if it's not something that really resonates with me, like Barton Fink or A Serious Man or, or Man Who Wasn't There. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with both of you, I guess. Um, let's let's break down some of it. Uh, uh, Dingus, you said it had no plot. Um, Kelly, you you agree with that? Like, do you? Uh, well, they said it didn't, so that's why they added the cat. Oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> so they concede that point up front. Jeez. Is that why they named him that? Just just to like, oh, good lord! Really, they said that. They said a friend of mine went to a private screening where they did Q and A afterwards, and it was an audience composed of producers. This was like a room full of F. Murray Abraham kind of guys, and one of them went. I noticed some movies have ambiguous endings and some don't. What's your guys' process for making that decision? And they went, uh, "Sometimes it just comes out that way when we write it." That doesn't sound like a, that, that doesn't sound like a producer question, Kelly. That sounds like a general audience question. <laughs> no, that's what they bring, and their little okay. cards. You think it's a plant? No, no, I, I like something that I would ask if we went to a screening. No, please, not even Dingus would ask that. That's just one of those. When, I love when you go to Q and As and and they let they let the masses in and and people raise their hands and ask dumb questions. That sounds like one of those. Uh, well, yeah. Just that whole what's you guys process? It sounds like something that a what's a writer from an entertainment is? magazine would ask. Yeah. It's such a boring. It can't be answered interestingly. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you actually answer it, it would not. Yeah. You, yeah. you would. I get up at nine and I <laughs> stare until blood. blood. Uh, so, so at any rate, I cut you off. So they were saying, uh, are, and and somehow this led to them fessing up that they didn't really have a plot, so they put the cat in. Yeah. Okay. But they well, could be bait. 
for the dinguses and the. Well, I, I think it's true too. <laughs> it doesn't I, mean I, no, go on. It, well, ever since hearing the commentary track on Man Who Wasn't There, I've learned to just basically ignore anything they say outside the context yeah. of the movie that I watched. I don't. I don't advocate listening sure. to the Coen Brothers explain themselves or answer interview questions, uh, just from personal experience. Um, so I, the, the cat thing was, uh, I you know, I love the cat thing. I'm a big fan of cats. Man, did I love those shots of just that big happy cat put sticking his face in the camera. That was just one of the most adorable things I've seen. I love watching Oscar Isaacs walk around holding a cat. You know, I could just, I could just, the movie could have been that for a while. Um, so I love the cat stuff, but it did feel, it's that's kind of a, an old chestnut, isn't it? The joke about he brings the cat home after losing it. And then it just they discover, oh, that's not our cat. Although, uh, I can't you know, you, believe they actually did that. That right. made me so mad. And, you know, and there's, oh, so there's, Dingus, you, you mentioned a couple moments from you off. Parents. So, so that's one of them, that, uh, that whole cat chestnut about the, the wrong cat. The, the wrong cat and the, um, the cop arresting Garrett Hedlund and then just driving away. Uh, <laughs> I it, like that it, one. No, I hated that because it, like feels that like, it feels like this is a different world that – that they feel like they can get away with because we're the Coen brothers. We can do something surreal like this. We're just going to have this guy drive away with this guy in a cop uh, car. We're just going to do that, and we can get away with it. This isn't the world they've created so far. They just want to throw something in there, and I I hated that. It felt lazy and weird, and the cat joke made it pissed me off. There were a couple uh, – <laughs> What is that? Come on! You really you're going to show up with the cat and and they're and they're going to say that's not our cat. Gee, we can't see this coming from a sitcom mile away. Good lord! Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm okay with the cop thing, and we'll get to that in a minute. The cat thing didn't incense me nearly as much as you, uh, just because it just seemed like it just seemed convenient and uh, predictable. Predictable, even even hitting the poor cat. Like I knew driving back. And I know nothing, by the way. I never see these things coming. If I see it coming, you know that it's spelled out. I, I knew that he was – I didn't think he was going to hit the cat. I thought the cat was going to cause a wreck and that he was going to get in a car wreck. Like I, So I knew the cat was good, like him going back. The cat back tricked coming. you. Well, the cat – I could see it coming. I could see the cat coming, right, so it right. didn't trick me. I just – I felt bad for the poor little guy getting hit. Um, and, and the other one left to freeze to death. What? In the car with uh, John Goodman's uh, foamy corpse. No, the cop did check. I think maybe that's what Diggs. No, that's the cat that ran across his path on the way back. Uh, what? what do you think? No, he didn't pick it up. He just watched it go into the woods. No, but he he was driving back from Chicago, the same route, and oh, somehow the cat got out of the car and ran across the freeway, and that's the cat he hit. Don't you think that he hit the cat that he had absconded with out of New York? Uh, Dingus, back me up on this. I, have, I, I couldn't be less interested in which cat it was huh. at that point. Well, wait, I, wait, I, I hated that whole sequence wait, wait, hold on. to Chicago with John Goodman. I, wait, what? you guys don't see that the cat, the whole point, the cat that he carried out of New York and he left in the car with John Goodman, got somehow it. got out of the car, ran across the freeway when he was on the drive back, and caused the wreck. you think it was just a completely different random cat? Yeah. I think it was from uh, guys. How would it get that far? Why does it matter? What do you mean get that far? He was Chicken going back. Because he's retarded. He was going back the same way that he came. He lost. He left the cat in the car what? on the trip. From, well, yeah, he was going from New York to Chicago. He saw Bud Grossman. That didn't pan out, so he drives back to New York. And on the drive back to New York, just covering the same route. In, it, in, a, in a car that he's hitchhiking back. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't 
understand how you guys don't get this. It's you so know what fun. though? I had it. Okay, the chick I saw was was like, okay, so wait, at the end, it's a, it's a, I go, it's a flash forward, and she goes, no, because it's a different cat at the end. He catches it that time. It's like a time warp. I go, no, it's not like a time warp. Both the cat things happen before the fight in the alley. It's and awesome that like, we're spending what? this much time on the cat. This totally uh, bolsters what. Well, you guys totally missed about. the the whole cat gimmick. You're at least oh, half of the cat gimmick. It's the same cat that he captured. Get out- it? Of uh, that he captured while he was talking to Carrie Mulligan. They got left in the car. That later runs across his path and and uh, and that he hits and and he kills this poor cat that he no he gives it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's I think it's I think it's going to go off and die, Kelly Wand. I'm sorry. Well, to he didn't go that. and check. What? Unless yeah. it's not a, unless it's imaginary, in which case it and Batman and Catwoman are all. Sorry uh, to tell you, Kelly Wand. I think that cat died. Mm, you know, you're that. assuming it's the same cat. That chose that exact moment, like that's more likely than it being just a different cat and a hallucination. Which Why to me is not a different cat. Because I hallucinate cats every day, and I hit half of them. I see. Well, the, the whole cop thing too, I didn't mind simply because you know the way the Coen Brothers do an existential <laughs> crisis is as a descent into hell. Uh, and you, you can see this in Serious Man. You see it in No Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, and I, I think this this trip from uh, New York to Chicago to see Bud Grossman, it's sort of where he bottoms out, and it's got this descent into hell quality. Uh, so I didn't mind that hell is populated with like cops who don't play by the book and weirdo... Yeah, in 61. And weirdo junk. What else, what else, who, who what else about that trip is like that, though? Other than going well, to the trip. bathroom for it, half an hour. That, Things yeah. happening for no reason, constantly. It's yeah, really, and, and yeah. even being that, that weird, uh, like, big, empty highway stop that they're at. I mean, the whole thing. That, there's a shot of him trudging through the snow with these buildings on either side. Yeah, it's misery. Yeah, I mean, they totally shoot it as this stylized descent into hell. No one likes his music, even though his music's always good. It's this, It's just a universe where it's like Daffy Duck. He just can't win. Doesn't know the rules. It's not going to matter. Yeah, and he goes into hell, and he he basically, I mean, I guess Bud Grossman, it's it, not literal hell, of course, but he, he's going to for this salvation for Bud Grossman, who tells him, join your partner, you know, kill yourself. Yeah. Maybe, okay, for me, the one weak part of the movie, I'm thinking, was that we don't really know how his music was with the partner, because we see him get really freaked out when the lady does the other voice at the dinner. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like, though, Kelly Wand, is that they didn't didn't spell out more stuff about the partner and his past. Well, was he like this before, you think, or after the partner's death, he becomes this character? No, he's always been like this. this, this But he had a partner. Did he have a partner? Like, he's not interested in harmonies anymore. Like, was this the one friend he had? Was it one guy whose company he could tolerate and make albums with? Who knows? All right, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> one of the – so similar to that note, though, Kelly Wand, I'm not sure I, I – Oscar Isaac is just so likable, and he has such uh, this good-natured quality to him. And I'm not sure that the movie really earned – Calling him an asshole? Yeah, yeah, as much as we were supposed to believe. Yeah, I agree with that. I argued against it even, but then I had to be reminded, well, he heckles the lady at the end. Right, exactly. That's really the only jerky thing. And and, and Carrie Mulligan has been so relentlessly mean to him that I didn't quite understand, like, why are you being so mean to this poor fella? Uh, you know, he seems like he's trying to do the right thing, and you obviously liked him enough to have sex with him at some point, and you were part of this circle. 
So I didn't feel like it earned this reputation that he supposedly had for being an asshole. Well, Women in Coen Brothers movies are trouble. I think more than being an asshole, he's just he he's not um, he's not a stalwart man. I mean, the thing that she really asks of him is, "Do you think of the future at all?" And he's 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 an he's a sexy, attractive musician. And <laughs> sexy, oh dingus, okay. Huh. That's right. I'm not afraid to say that. But he doesn't think of the future. And so he's just constantly sort of reacting and dealing with consequences. And she's uh, – as a woman, she's like, do you ever think of the future? And he's just like, the, the cat got out. What am I going to do? I mean he he's not that kind of guy. He's he's a guy who reacts. Huh, but it's, okay. so he's not a hero I mean, in that way. He's not somebody who thinks of the future. Well, and that's kind of – you might argue the point of the movie. So one of the problems I kind of had – and I don't know about problems, but one, one of the observations I made is that I don't – I'm sorry. Well, I'll just spell – I don't understand why they wanted to make a movie about mm-hmm. Greenwich Village in 1961. I don't know. Uh, God, I don't. Well, no, they have- no, no. I mean, let me, let me finish. Uh, without – a, a more direct reference to the coming social upheaval. I mean, Greenwich Village in 1961 was was on the cusp of some incredible stuff. You know, the the, the counterculture movement was going to get so much, and and they touch on this by having Bob Dylan sing. Yeah, I think that's their hint. Yeah, but but so I, I it's it sort of to me. Uh, you know, here's this time and place on the cusp of enormous historical relevance, and that relevance isn't part of the story. It would be almost like making a movie set in Germany in the summer of 1939, or a movie set in Manhattan on September 10th, 2001, uh, and just kind of letting it sit. I would have, and I guess, but I want to say, I mean, I guess maybe that's the point. Is that he was someone who was just at the wrong time? Just missed his window. Well, they make it so specific. It's 1961. I mean, they, they're specific. Yeah. Well, it was also an era apparently when in New York they were doing music that wasn't New York based or something. Like it's some music thing that if we were more versed in the era, we'd know the name of. Uh, but like Dingus was saying, he's not a guy who thinks of the future. Uh, you know, it's not so much that he's an asshole. It's just that he's not he's not very forward looking. He doesn't consider the future and so therefore the future leaves him out like he's he's sort of doomed to be stuck in this cycle immediately on the cusp of the future and not to be a part of it to basically walk out and miss bob dylan and get his ass kicked because of something that he did when he was a jerk so so kind of in dingus saying that that he's a guy who doesn't think of the future that kind of addresses my concern and my observation that here they chose this very specific time on the cusp of greatness and it's about this man who's been excluded who's going to be excluded from this greatness um because he has that short-sightedness uh well uh, you know there's is this one of those Coen Brothers movies where someone is being held – is there this karmic universe at work here? I, I don't know. Like, there seems to be because like he's surrounded by people harmonizing to the the song that's not as good. But I wonder too. Like I don't I don't see something here like in Serious Man where Michael Stuhlbarg uh, changes the guy's grade and then has cancer visited upon him. Like I don't see it as that kind of moral cause and effect. I, I get the sense almost that he's also just emotionally crippled by the loss of, of what he used to have with this partner, with this earlier career, with whatever relationship he supposedly had with Carrie Mulligan. Um, 
So I, I don't know that he's being punished, or you know, I don't know if it's that, or that he's just a victim that he's that he's that he's grieving that he doesn't know how to cope with that. Well, we only get a week of his life, and right. the ending can be seen either way. Right. Um, I don't know that he's grieving so much as I, I just don't think he likes himself or what he what he's capable of. I mean, he doesn't get much support. What, what if your your main talent was something you hated? What if the best thing you were you were it good is. at was something you just couldn't stand? Do you think though that he hates what he does, or does he hate the state of it? Because I, part of uh, what I sort of feel is that the Coen brothers, in, in, in showing us this specific time before Dylan really commercialized folk music, he's showing us what folk music used to be, and it used to be guys like Stark Sands as, as that that. Uh, pretty boy crooner stuff. It used to be like the old lady with the zither or whatever that was. Uh, the the goofy uh, Kennedy song. Like I think he was doing the kind of music, and I find the I found the music that he did incredibly moving. Yeah. I, I think he's doing what folk music will become before it's become that. And and he hates the the setting where he's having to play it. He hates the stuff that everyone else is doing. But I, I got the sense. And it's one of the things that I really loved about the movie and where it ultimately won me over, and I'm less soured on it than, than Dingus was. Uh, j- just watching Oscar Isaac play these songs and uh-huh. watching and, – and, and the, mo- the way the movie lets the whole song play and just yeah. watches him do it. I mean I so admire that it didn't cut it or that it didn't try to truncate it, uh, that it, it didn't – you know that they just gave us long shots – um, and even that they, re- I, I don't. Do we know if he did his own singing? By the yes, way, yes, he did all. Yeah, he did. Oh, that's so good to they, hear. They all did. They all did actually. Yeah. Oh, oh, Carrie Mulligan, right? Oh, well, we knew she could sing. Uh, we just didn't know if she could sing anything oh, beyond God. New York, yeah. New York. Uh, um, but I, so I especially love too how actor centric it was in that regard, and that when he goes to audition for Bud Grossman, you know, he's at he's 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 at rock bottom. This is his last chance. He does that song, and they did this thing where they let the guitar fall away, and he's just singing a cappella, and then the song stops, and there's just a long shot of, of his face. And, and Dingus, you say sexy, and I'm not afraid to say that too, but he's such an incredibly soulful – he's a beautiful man. I mean, I, I love Oscar Isaac, and, and to just let us see his imploring face – as as the finale of that song, and you know he owns so much insight, creative satisfaction too. Yeah, yeah. Um, like his creative talent and bad behavior. I don't know. It's tough to be creative, isn't it? Um, it's a very Barton Fink kind of theme. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think here it's tough to just singers see, to be on the to be into what folk music is going to become before it's become that. Um, I, I really like that take on it because the, I think his audition for Bud Grossman is so beautiful and yeah, heartbreaking, and you can see uh, F. Murray Abraham playing that part and and being moved by it, but then making a, a money decision. Yeah, um, and I love the way that plays out. And you're absolutely right, Tom. I love that they let us see that whole performance of the song. It's Gorgeous. Uh, so I think you're right. I think that I was a little misguided and sort of, sort of saying, what if, what if the best thing he's, what if the thing he's good at is some, something he hates? Because uh, he hates what it is at that present right. time, but right. he, he's sort of the next evolution of it, but he's just at the wrong part of the wheel. And so what do we make of this time loop thing? Uh, so Kelly, when I kind of uh, did feel like there was yeah. some time loop and, and 
uh, yeah, so Kelly wanted to explain this to us. It seems like you would you would be uniquely uniquely appreciative of nonlinear narratives. So Kelly wanted to help out me and Dingus here. What what happened? What part are you confused on? The the beginning scene was the end of the movie that you see, but okay. it's different, isn't it? How? Name one difference. The cat doesn't get out. That's before that. That's still part of the flash forward. It happened before he sings at the beginning. But what Wait, about? What? Hold on, hold on. Wait. The cat gets out the second time, and then he goes back to the place afterwards, and then goes back, and then that's the night he sings and gets in the fight. No, so he has the same exact conversation with the bar owner. He gets beat Does up he, twice. But Wait, this, what's this, different? Doesn't Pappy say something about sleeping with Gene? That's a different conversation, four. yeah, and that's what leads to him abusing the the poor the fight, and, yeah. yeah, and then right. that's when his ass kicked. Wait, no, Kelly, one. I'm pretty sure we saw some kind of time loop thing. What's you're, the you're, part of it that's different? Yeah, it, just the cat. And also, the guy walking away says something else after he beats him up. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, there's what do you do? The alley beating, I think, is different, and certainly we see more of it. It goes a little farther, but but I got the sense, Kelly, one, there was some weird. Uh, like I'm so glad you said that, Tom, because I got that I got that that sense too. Yeah, and, and I do think there are differences with the alley beating. Um, huh? So, Kelly, one, do you think it's just a matter of we see the end of the movie and then it resets at some? Yeah, point? and nothing. I really think that that, that scene with Pop with Pappy at the end is different. I really think it's different. Well, I could be wrong. I saw the movie once, and I'm speaking from memory and how I felt after I saw it, and I was argued with by a women's. I think the women's uh, is correct on this one, Kelly Wand. <laughs> she could be. They usually are about most things. <laughs> um, but while I watched it, it made sense to me. And then when I went, oh, so that's what the thing... I mean, with the, are you saying the angles are different or the fighting was longer? The angles are different, and I think there is different dialogue. Uh, that still doesn't mean... Well, it's just different dialogue, then, yeah. That he's, but what's the different dialogue? As as the husband walks away, I think he, I just think it's it's structured differently. I think he says something different yeah. than what he says the first time after beating him up. It's not an opera house, and I didn't understand that. I thought he said the same thing. It, it seems to me, Kelly Wan, that what what they're doing, and I I wasn't entirely sure, but that. Uh, that that he's kind of stuck not in, in a literal time loop, yeah, it's loop. not a looper kind of thing, but he's stuck just being doing doing the wrong things, right. um, and yeah. that he's kind of doomed to keep repeating that. But, but he save the that, cat. But that that's exactly what what that made me wonder is what's then the point of him not uh, of him not letting the cat out the second time? What did the cat getting out precipitate? Hope. that is not just... now going to happen. And I don't I don't know. I don't. Uh, and I don't know, you know. If you're wrong that it's not a time loop, it means nothing. It's just uh, okay. And then he went to work that night because he got the, he figured out the cat, and that's why he's saying extra good. But he still got his ass kicked. Cause well, or maybe that he's learned. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um. Uh, but wait. Well, see, the reason I don't want it you to be right is yeah. because then it's a little it's a little too infringing on a serious man. Because then you're getting into metaphysics and cat speeches about cats in that movie. Well. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, that's Coen Brothers for you. Like, I, it's, you can't just do the exact same fucking movie. It should be a bookend. <laughs> there can't be cats in both and time travel. But a Serious Man was not set at the gas lamp in 1961, Kelly Walters. Yeah, same decade. <laughs> but but, but I'm also now wondering about her pregnancy. 
She hadn't had it yet. She hadn't had the uh, operation. Whisper in case we have listeners. No, but I'm just wondering if, if now we're supposed to think that Poppy might be involved in that. I, I'm, I'm. Oh, of course. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think that's part of the disillusion. I mean, if you guys are right, and it was a time warp thing, like I can't even think besides the cat that makes that seem pointful. Well, you like, get see it more times, Kelly. Warner. Oh, well, I think that's kind of the the problem is that you're. I love that you just made up that word pointful. Because I, I don't know. You know this, what's a stupid this, word? I don't know. This movie is pointful. Invaluable is a dumb word because it's the same fucking thing. It's like, uh, like a, inflammable. Yeah. How do you feel about inflammable, Kelly Wand? It's it's in good. But. Uh, what? Uh, how many Coen Brothers movies can you guys think of that have uh, a wacky Asian? Uh, is Breakfast at Tiffany's? Um? <laughs> Jeez, really. Wacky Asian in Fargo. Fargo, okay. yeah. Yeah, go on. Uh, Serious Man. Serious Man, right. Yeah. There's a whole family of them. And also... Uh, they also give him bad advice in that. They're supposed to be sages, and they say embrace the mystery, but then he takes their advice, and then he gets uh, cancer. And also Inside Lewin Davis, Wacky that's, Asian. That's Wait, that's... We're surmising. Uh, Dingus, when I had said something about, oh, the cast of Drive reunited, you started to say something and then stopped yourself because I hadn't seen the movie yet. I presume you're going to say something about the cast of Girls. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. You could also just say you could also just say people from HBO shows because uh, <laughs> uh, Stark Sands I know of as the he had a great part in uh, Generation Kill. Uh, oh, you're right. Oh, wow. I love that guy. I've seen him also. He was in a terrible uh, zombie movie with Ving Rhames. He tends to play like military. Hey, it's fellas. a dad remake. Uh, very good, Kelly Wand. Um, so, yeah, I love me some Stark Sands and was delighted to see him there. So, Dingus, how did you feel about the uh, the actors from Girls showing up? Uh, it felt weird when Alec- Alex Karpovsky showed up because it just felt like we're going to throw him in, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love Adam Driver. I, I love that guy in anything, and he was he was great. He's fine. I'd like to have seen more of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's a Coen Brothers movie. They're only in it as long as they need to but, be. But I loved the, that he got that whole scene with in the recording studio, and I thought he was great in it. That whole uh, oh, the whole thing that he did, yeah. great. Um, and then like. The, the gag with like shoving the box of records under the table and finding his records and, and his name and and I, I mean he he doesn't seem to be any different than uh, well I don't know if he's not any different but I, I just like that guy you know, I kind of wanted like, uh, I, I wanted Lou and Davis to hang out with him some more in the movie I was like why don't you guys yeah. just hang out some go, that's go the thing he didn't that that's the problem with being the asshole is you're all alone. I guess so. But what did we just see him? Oh, he's in Francis High. I mean, he's playing that. Oh, i got to see that fucking thing. Now it's every week. I that, are, are you going to be in our apartment kind of a thing? <laughs> he's the guy whose apartment you crash at in yeah. movies. Yeah. How long are you going to be here? <laughs> uh, I'll be around when I'm around. <laughs> uh, Kelly, are you trying to do a crickets sound effect? Because I don't think it's playing. <laughs> no, I just have them. I have an infestation in my apartment. I see. I see. Um, uh, and um, let's see what, what else. Uh, so and can I just say Max Casella has been in freaking everything this year. I mean, he's what else have we seen him in? So he's, he's the bar owner. What did we see him in? 
He was in Old Boy. Um, he was in Blue Jasmine. He's that great guy who's no trying to date. No, he's not the guy that Kate Blanchett gets fixed up with in Blue Jasmine, is he? Yeah, that's, that's him. Yeah, oh, oh my God. Sarsgaard. <laughs> oh, that's awesome then. Uh, and I was really excited that uh, when I started looking, I was like, wow, that's him again? What's he doing? Because he, he feels like a refugee from a Martin Scorsese movie. And uh, and he was that totally that guy in Blue Jasmine. I liked him in that. Uh, who was he in Old Boy? I don't remember. I don't remember Old Boy. Did we see that? Uh, no, <laughs> we did not. I remember the Korean one I saw six years ago. But that's not a bad that's not a bad year resume to be in Blue Jasmine old this. Uh so what Coen Brothers movies did this remind you of? Uh Crime Wave a little bit. Uh so I'll go. so it it seemed to me like a, a Barton Fink with less bite, I, I sort of thought. Just a a sort of a older, milder Barton Fink. Like they didn't quite have the youthful vitality that they had when they made Barton Fink. Uh, uh, I, I just kept this series, man, and how it failed in comparison. Even though, you know, and I mean, I think the photography is great, and they're trying to go for that same level of photography, I guess, but the series, man, just has so much of a better handle on how to handle that existential question than this does. I just don't, I mean, and I, what I had to sit there and wrestle with is, is it just that I don't care for folk music uh, or for – I didn't care for any of these characters even though I like the people. I mean I like the actors. So. But like, folk music's light and the movie's light, so it fits the material. Uh, how did we feel about uh, Ulysses? I'd fuck Joan or Jim. Uh, one, two, three, not only you and me Got one thrills and I'm caught in between Counting one, two, three, beat a point So that's uh, how it sounds without the Britney. Yeah, I do. That was that. a big, big old orange cat. That was uh, one of my favorite actors. Is that, I, I would you know, just make a movie about Oscar Isaacs running around New York carrying a cat. I'd be into that. You know, one of the things I loved about the beginning of the movie is not knowing that he's in somebody else's apartment. And this guy gets up and yeah. follows the cat down the hall and makes eggs. And it just reminded me of Tom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which part? Uh, Tom, My a lot of people pretty. don't know this. Tom is great at making eggs, and he has a cat. Euphemisms. Kelly Wan, do you remember in Super when um, Kevin Bacon comes over to Rain uh, Rain Wilson? No, yeah, comes yeah. over to Rain Wilson's house and and sort of patronizingly tells him that he's great at making eggs. I feel <laughs> that's what Dingus is doing to me right now. Uh, I was not doing that. I was being patronizing because he's trying to steal your mate. Something like that. I don't know. Who's that? Who's what? Uh. <laughs> uh, let's do a three by three. All right, yeah, you know what? Let's just skip this week's three by three. <laughs> Jesus, Kelly Wand. You're welcome. Kelly Wand, why don't you tell us what's this week's three by three? I don't think you understood it. And that's <laughs> I don't, why I don't like it. Why don't you explain it to me again? You don't get my methods, and therefore you fail at my methods. Uh-huh. This hey, hold on. is a- Baldwin, I have something way more important than your three by three to talk about. Uh-huh. I, just, I had a celebrity sighting when I went to see Inside ah, Davis. Oh, good. Oh, good. 
So I think it's one of the things where when a movie's only playing at a couple theaters in L.A. and it's a kind of high-profile-like thing like this. This could be your number three, by the way. It's something you've never seen in a movie before, a celebrity. Good point. Um, uh, actually, this wasn't in the movie. movie theater. This was this was not in the movie. It was I'll allow it. It was outside the movie. So uh, I'm 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 actually late to the movie. Uh, I took a little bit extra. Day. You know, I was late leaving the house. I got there. I, I was going to be okay with it. I I just missed the the trailer for her, which is fine with me. I didn't. Oh, wait a minute. You won't let uh, you. what? You won't let me tell you it. But then well, you'll no, miss- I haven't seen it. I guess that's consistent, actually. Yeah. Uh, so as I, I'm, I'm running to go into the theater, it's at the, the ArcLight, which is great, uh, an awesome theater we have here in Los Angeles. But it's at the the ArcLight has several, like a multiplex, and then next door to it, it's got an old Cinerama dome uh, that's part of it. And my ticket was for the Cinerama dome, so I went into the main thing, and I was late there. And to get to the Cinerama dome, you have to go outside, and it's a big hassle. And I'm sort of walking super fast and in front of me there's these two dudes who uh they're kind of in my way and i don't want to just run past them and and then it turns out okay well they're going to the theater too and they're kind of going fast but they're tall guys so there's two guys in front of me they're obviously late for the movie as well and they're going in um and they're these tall good-looking actory types you know la's full of towering over you and uh furthermore one of them starts singing uh and he's singing a song that has the words arkansas in it and I'm thinking, oh, I bet that guy's singing a song from the movie, which sure enough, it turns out it was the song that Oscar Isaac sings at the opening and at the end of the movie. And this guy's sitting there singing the song, and I'm thinking, oh, you're, he's one of these guys who's like singing in public. Yeah. Um, That's like a PDA to yourself. Oh, God, no kidding. And he's saying something about, yeah, this is the song in the movie. And so he's like, oh. Who, himself? He's singing that for No, he's singing that to his friend. And, and the thing yeah. is, they're good-looking guys, so I'm assuming... He's singing to each other. Well, I'm assuming they're, they're a couple, that it's like they're in a relationship, and that's that's fine, whatever. I, I have no or problem. It's boring. Um, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed because he's singing a song from the movie. Nobody, you know, don't sing in public like that. And right. So they get in, they're in front of me, and they give their ticket to the, the ticket taker. And the ticket taker sort of gets confused with the tickets and he scans <laughs> one of the guy's tickets and, and then waves them in and he takes my ticket. And the guy whose ticket he didn't take turns around and says, aha, you didn't take my ticket. I could totally get in for free. And it's Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> oh, you know what? That was going to be my guess when you said it. Who had when been singing the song about Arkansas, and he was just griefing the poor ticket taker, who was who was obviously flustered because here was Neil Patrick Harris, uh, and he was being good natured about it, like he was joshing the guy, and hey, I could have gotten in free. Um, and so I realized I was annoyed at, at Neil Patrick Harris singing. So it wasn't just a celebrity yeah. sighting; it was a, cel- a celebrity singing. But then you weren't annoyed because you knew it was him, right? I immediately was like, oh, I didn't say anything, but I immediately was like, oh, I, I you know, I, I wish he'd been singing more. Yeah. I liked that singing. That was nice. He's a famous fellow who has a good singing voice, who's known for his singing. Of course I should like to hear that. Uh, so, yes, I immediately uh, protected my annoyance. He, he could have played Justin Timberlake's character. That, you're, you're very right, Dingus. Absolutely. Yes. I like that guy. He's the only good thing about that dumb show I never watch. Well, I don't think of him. I don't have much of a frame of reference for him because I, I never saw Doogie Hauser. I think of him mainly. Starship Troopers. Yeah, I was going to say mainly from Starship Troopers. It's and, free! Helen Kumar, hello. And, exactly, and from yeah. the Helen Kumar movies because I'm not a Dr. Horrible sing along blog dude. Like, I don't. That doesn't do anything for me. Um, Wait, what? He's that? 
Um, the it's a Joss Whedon musical thing. Uh, Doctor uh, Horrible Sing Along Blonde. I, I, I don't care about that shit. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm, it was a great little you know reaction to the writer strike. It was great. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Arnie Stinson's funny. He's awesome. So at any rate, Kelly One, we were going to do a three by three. Uh, I guess we should get around to that. Oh, okay, Mr. Celebrity Sighting, not as exciting as Giant Blue Dicks. Yeah, so tell us, oh, that's the 3x3 three three Giant Blue Dicks. No. Oh, what? Yeah, so I'm sorry, what is the 3x3? Well, thanks for ruining my number one. Uh, I'll ruin all three of them if you keep dressing like that. Huh, I guess he told you, Dingus. Because he did. With Can you hear the crickets? Told me once with the Kelly, I'll tell you what, why don't you let me handle the sound effects on this podcast? Can you, do you have a cricket one? Just play it whenever I say anything. Okay, you tell me when you want me to play the crickets, and I'll do it. <sighs> Starting right now, because I'm going to describe the 3x3. Three three. This topic was inspired by... Uh, I don't really remember, actually. But it's something that you've never seen in a movie before. It can be anything, as long as it's something you hadn't seen in a movie before. There'll be three of us going with three different entries. Anything goes, there's only two rules. One, there are no rules. And two, uh, I forgot. Wait, three rules. All right. (laughs) I forgot the third one, too, though. Since I'm going uh, to introduce our next 3x3, which is a real 3x3, I'll start us off. (laughs) My number three thing that I've never seen in a movie before. Mm. is uh, the witch in Blair Witch Project. Because you never see the witch. You still haven't seen her. That's how you, are all your entries like that? Is that Wait, it? I thought it was things you've never seen oh, in a movie before. This is like the question, like, what do you consider the two most important events in human history? And so if you say, oh, landing on the moon, or Jesus' crucifixion, it like reveals what kind of person you, you are. So now we know that you're a person who doesn't see witches. Wait, you said things I've never seen in a movie before. I've never seen the Blair Witch Project, the Blair Witch in a movie. Uh, you hear her though, unless it's, it's one of the kids, I assume. Well, you never know. Yeah, you didn't say it was things you've never heard in a movie. Hey, Heather Donahue may be the witch. She's just trolling. What? You. No, no. Sorry, Kelly Wong. Don't, don't accept that. Off camera. Yeah. So, all right, wait. Is that not doing the the topic correctly? You, have you seen in a movie before Kelly Wong the Blair Witch? No, you haven't. Well, I saw the title of the words. Yeah, you did. Good point. And I also had a th- – uh, she reads about her in the book. So it's kind of like sh- sh- the character seeing illustrations probably. Of the By the way, who is Blair? And, or what, what is – is Blair a town? I was trying <laughs> I to think of that today. Is, why is it called? Of life, I think. The town's called Blair Project, but then <laughs> – they worked in the word witch. No, it's Burksville, Maryland or something, isn't it? I, I, or, so I don't remember what's a witch. Maybe it's just spelled wrong. Maybe it's Blair Witch Project? I don't know. Dingus, you haven't even seen it. You're not allowed to make cracks about Blair Witch Project. It's uh, really to see it. That's a good point. Uh, all right, Dingus, what's your number three thing that you've never seen in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Mm-hmm. I do not like the men on this spaceship. They are uncouth and do not appreciate my better qualities. Right, Spaceballs. Star Wars. Wait, uh, better better qualities? Yeah, my better qualities. They are uncouth, and Spaceship? they do not appreciate my better oh, qualities. Galaxy Quest. Quest. That sounds like something Sam Rockwell has Galaxy said. Someone uh, said Galaxy Quest. Stardoz? Spaceship. Uh, Dark Star. 
No, because Dark good, Star Kelly. has things that you've seen in other movies. Oh, wait, uh, is it Dark Star? It is Dark Star. Angus has not seen Dark Star. I've never <laughs> seen it. Uh, this right is a movie I have never seen, so there was nothing in this movie that I had seen before. Uh, <laughs> Tom! <laughs> you know what? Dingus, you know, okay. Dingus is winning this topic. It's got to be the stu- except You have to break it the most. So, Dingus, please continue. You are now ahead. Tom tried with his feeble-minded witch strat. This is a movie that Kelly talks about incessantly that I have never seen before. Um, and that is kind of my theme. But to, if you want to be specific, I have never seen an alien beach ball attacking and tickling a human. So uh, there you go. Uh, Dark Star. I had never seen it before. I went in and watched it this week because Kelly Wine seemed to uh, encourage me to watch movies I'd never seen before. Wow. What did you think of Dark Star, Dingus? Yeah. Wait. You're sandbagging that news? Under my stupid 3x3 topic? What the fuck's wrong with you? That's right. I've I've never seen Dark Star before. I think it is. I can't believe it's a John Carpenter movie. I didn't understand how. I I should know this by now, but his sense of humor is amazing. This movie is hilarious. Yes. It's unbelievable. It's only an hour and ten minutes long. There's surfing in it. It's ridiculous. The beards Uh are are great. The yes. music is great. Yes. The alien is horrible and sickening yes. and weird. The, the spaceship, which Kelly Wand uh, chose for like our spaceship. spaceship thing, makes no sense whatsoever as far as that <laughs> elevator shaft is concerned. What the hell? How, how in the world is that going to fit in that spaceship? It's uh, actually CalArts. They moved it onto the ship. Oh, I love I love Dark Star. I think it is hilarious dialogue. I love the way they're talking about surfing and what are we going to do with this alien and how he keeps calling him an idiot. How it's Pinbach, the captain, and and is Pinbach? I mean, is that is that Phoenix asteroids? When when we get to sunshine, is oh yeah, that's totally a Pinbach reference. Yeah, so I think it's an important. I I think and this is just conjecture on my part, maybe Kelly Wan can clarify, that the sense that I get from Dark Star and seeing where Carpenter goes from Dark Star is that a lot of the, I think most, I don't know, but I feel like Carpenter goes in a different direction from Dark Star because there's a lot of Dan O'Bannon in that, because he co-wrote that with John Carpenter, yeah. and, and Dan O'Bannon is just, that that guy's contribution to just sci-fi genre movies in general is 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 just staggering, and I, I just feel like a lot of the early genius in Dark Star, and certainly the sense of humor, is probably due to Dan O'Bannon, because you don't see that kind of stuff in Carpenter's other earlier movies. It's a marriage no, made in you heaven. Guys, you guys have talked about Dan O'Bannon, Dan O'Bannon, Dan O'Bannon. What, what else is... What? We're he wrote Alien, too. Well, and certainly uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Return of the Living Dead, that zombie movie, you know, which, which, yeah, that's totally, he directed that. Um, it's not as good as Dark Star, though. I'm just saying. He was better with Carpenter than he was without. He's just he, like the guy in Zed Lewin Davis. He is the, uh, he's the lead guy. He's the guy who has to fight the, um, the beach ball. He's the guy with the chicken. Oh, so he is oh yeah, yeah. Pinbuck. Yeah. What's with him? Really I dark. loved it. I loved it so yes. much, and I just believe eh, so how funny it, it is, yeah. and how awful and dumb and cheap it it looks, and how they work with that. Uh, I'm so happy that I, I mean I've just had to deal with for four years Kelly Wan going on and on about Dark Star the way like somebody might talk about Midnight Run or something. Yeah. 
And it's the uh, lightest I am about anything I've recommended to you. Oh, you may, may not like Zap, but Dark Star, I would. I've never seen a disappointed face after I've thrust Dark Star on someone. Well, now I'm looking forward to Dings's other two picks. That elevator scene. I, mean, I know. It's on forever. It goes on forever. there's no way that elevator shaft fits in that spaceship. And they're doing the sideways. Uh, like try. It, make you can even see his hair like falling against the floor. Yeah, so I love cheapness. Is so fucking funny to me. There's it, it. That's to me why CG. That's what fucked up and get smart when they have the cone of silence and it's all CG. It's like that they totally missed the point. Did Dan, o- Dan O'Bannon act anymore after Dark Star? Like was he ever in front of the camera? I don't hmm. know. Uh, no, he didn't, actually, he didn't even write much more, even like except for Alien, which was a massive hit. But like his script was supposedly like the least good, maybe, or maybe it was just too wacky for him. We never read his draft. Who knows? And do you guys remember the way the alien would like clack his little nails? Like, yes, <laughs> I do. When he would say something to him, and the alien would be like, <laughs> "You gotta see it. That's so good. Nothing's bad about that movie. It's so." Awful and wonderful. It. It's just wonderful. And when they're and 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 the weird thing is that they're floating out in space after the bomb goes yeah. and you just get this weird like post gravity like we're floating in space gravity. Uh, I just got this weird dissonance about how I feel about the movie Gravity and watching these two right. guys float in it's space. It's a perfect double feature. It really is. Okay, so Kelly Wan, you say he didn't write anymore, but he wrote he wrote Alien. Uh, he did a movie called Dead and Buried, which uh, which is kind of a, a weird take on the on zombie horror. He certainly wrote uh, Return of the Living Dead and directed it. He wrote Life Force. Which Toby Hooper directed. That was uh, funny enough. He needed more funny. Well, no, no. Life Force is a terrible script. He wrote Invaders from Mars. He wrote Blue no, Thunder. Did you realize that? Uh, see, <laughs> Dark Star's his best work. No, no. I'm just saying. But, but yeah, but you know, Blue Thunder is. A, I think a, wasn't that John McTiernan? Uh, he no, wrote it's John Badham. I think. Badham. Oh, good point. He, the poor man's McTiernan. Right. Um, By far. He did an adaptation of a Philip K. Dick story for Screamers, which I've never seen, but I'm pretty sure it's awful. Is your Weller one? Uh, yep, yep. Uh, he wrote the AVP, the Aliens vs. Predator movie. Ugh. Wait, which one? The R-rated one or the fucking Paramount? The, the first one, the original one. Uh, PG-13, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I, I don't even like Predator anyway. So now you're Predator and PG-13. You don't like Predator? No. He's not in. He's not good. I like that you said it that stunned. Like I really am the only. Am I Tom Predator? Make a ruling. He's fun to play in the AVP game, like the old British one, and the old other British one that wasn't British. What am I supposed to adjudicate? Uh, whether Predator sucks as a concept, like a like a science fiction monster. It makes for a good video game. I'll give it that. Yeah, okay. That's John so, McTiernan. Isn't, isn't the first Predator John McTiernan? Yes. Yes. No, it's John Badham, director of uh, Saturday Night Live. Bad, bad ham. <laughs> I can't believe uh, I was thinking Blue Thunder was John, John McTiernan. Thank you for correcting me on that, Kelly Wand. Catch you later. I've been That's going through life. Was line in that movie. John Badham. Who's lamer, Joel Schumacher or John Badham? Harrison Ford. Uh, Kelly Wand, what's your number three pick for something oh, yeah, I've done one yet. never seen in a movie see before? See this is? Dude, we just got to hear, you know what? You have to love this topic because Dingus saw Dark Star because of it. And look what fucking happened. A magical epiphany. I'm very proud of Dingus. 
But you didn't see it again. But you've seen it. You know how you know what I'm I don't need to see it again to appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm already a Dark Star convert. There's this wonderful moment in the beginning of Dark Star where the spaceship flies into the frame and just stops on the dime. <laughs> I know. In space, you can do that, Dingus. And the way they sit, they're like quarters, <laughs> and they're out of toilet paper, that thing at the beginning. Oh, yeah! That's right. <laughs> the, the thing gets just uh, the uh, the storage unit gets destroyed. We're out of toilet paper. That's yeah. the other thing I didn't – I've never seen in a movie – uh, a spaceship complained about being out of toilet paper for like 18 months or something. <laughs> That's so great. It's the best movie ever made. It's maybe John Carpenter's best work. They're the only people who've seen it. Right, anyway, sorry, three. sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. But I'm glad you saw it. I'm very, very. This is the greatest thing that's happened to me in 2013. Is knowing you've seen Dark Star and you, you got it. You had the exact, you had the proper reaction to it. You felt like an idiot for not watching it every day of your life till now. I, I, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what the hell? Why? This is so cheap and I get it. Right. <laughs> See? Comedy. <laughs> right. I just want my board. I would like to wax it. See, and when people go, oh, John Carpenter, he made one funny movie, Big Trouble in Little China, and it's like I have to clear my throat the way I do when someone but, says you know, I have to consider what Tom just said about Dan O'Bannon because you know I don't see that this level of humor later on. You know, yeah, I mean, but it was also made for super cheap. Like that makes you be more. You have to improvise and figure shit out, and you're younger, and crazy. Toilet paper joke. Who gives a shit if it makes money? Oh wait, we got to make money. Okay, kung fu uh, CG thing. All right, my well, number three is uh, Godzilla. <laughs> But specifically in the Roland Emmerich one, because up until the American remake, I'd never seen Godzilla run away from helicopters before. So that was a new thing I didn't see. Good. All right. Uh, so are we done? So next week's three by three. Tom's number two. Oh, it's, we haven't done those. Oh, geez. it's from uh, Witch Mountain, which is also not in the movie. <laughs> uh, the missing witches of Tom's list. Uh, I have never seen in a movie. Um. Oh, you, wait a minute. You didn't make a list, did you? No, I made a list. I've got several. Dingus, go check his work. <laughs> Here you go. I've never seen attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. All right. Any of that, you, and you still didn't. Very good. Right. I haven't seen sea beams glitter in the dark <sighs> at Tannhäuser Gate. You know, <laughs> Kelly Wand. You, that's what you're giving the listeners is your number two for something you've never seen in a movie. I've never seen those things in a movie. Say it again. If you could uh, see what you've seen through Kelly's eyes. Yeah, uh, attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. What's it look like? Can't I don't know. I've never seen it. How would I know? Ask Rutger Hauer. You know, that line gets quoted constantly, and I honestly can't – I don't know what it's supposed to evoke because I don't know. What are you talking about? It's supposed well, to I get it. Like, it's yeah, very, like war out in nothing space. Nothing but evocative. Yeah, I love that. I mean it's – I love Which, that it's – Ryan, the blue one? What? It doesn't matter. What's the shoulder? It's it's sci-fi. It's space. It doesn't uh, matter. The shoulder what? of Orion, the constellation. Oh, wait. The whole – wait a minute. The shoulder, like, so that's like multiple stars. And he's nah, the, the shoulder's just one star. It's and the ship's a small thing. So it's on fire, which also is impossible. Everyone, you just can't, the sun. You just can't appreciate Hampton Fancher's script. What if we fire extinguish the sun from every angle? 
like a cookie clicker. By the way, I feel compelled to point out because yeah. uh, uh, you guys said something about, it's about Big Trouble in Little China being uh, funny. Uh, Carpenter didn't write that one. Sir, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I tried all that scintillating dialogue. That's not Carpenter. That's Stan O'Bannon again. Kelly Wan, can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, then, would you ever consider just jumping right in the sack with someone? Uh, <laughs> Kelly Wan, you need to learn your lines. I'm like an idiot here. I'm always the guy, though. I don't know the girls' lines. I like my part of the script when I'm talking to them. Uh, Dingus, what's a, what other movie did you watch this week that you hadn't seen before? That! Or let me put it this way, Dingus. Wait, uh, watch what's, another, what's your number two pick for something you've never seen in a movie before? All right, here's a line from it. I don't like human beings. Hmm. He's seen that movie, though, hasn't he? So it's not the movie. What movie do you think I'm talking about? Funny Games. No, no, uh, Human Centipede. Yeah, Human Centipede. Uh, first sequence, I should yeah. say. Wait, you had uh, seen that? No, I'd never seen it. No, why did Dingus watch that? Time. We've waved him off. This is exciting. Tom, Tom Dingus rules, and you're a fucking lame-ass. What's wrong with Blade Runner? It's a genius. It stars your favorite actor, Harrison Ford. <laughs> He's fucking. He Dingus took a, the most idiotic topic even I've ever said, and look what he's done. He's get, he's watched four and a half hours of. You're Dingus. You're my favorite person, Tom. You're you sick of me? Please. So, get me so I've never I've never seen Human Centipede uh, first sequence, uh, and uh, I've never seen a pool cover made out of horizontal window blinds <laughs> in the movie. I thought they have those. I think I have seen those. I'm sure they have them. I've never seen it in a movie. Um, so I watched that this week as well, because you've often talked of Human Centipede, and I've been waved off it. But I went ahead and watched movies that uh, you have mentioned many times that I've never seen before. So I went ahead and watched Human Centipede first sequence, and good lord, what, a, what the hell is going on in that movie? He doesn't like human beings. Dr. Doctor, what's his name? Dieter Laser. Weird move. Laser. Dieter Laser is the, the actor. It's uh, oh, Doctor Centipede. Doctor yeah. Centipede. <laughs> what is his name in the movie? Dennis? Well, he was Mister Centipede. It's like Doctor Hansen or Mister Hansen or whatever it is. It's weird. Um, the weird thing is, he's a doctor, but doesn't know how many legs a centipede has. It's not really not a soldier. It's like a human. Uh, what I wasn't expecting was that he had uh, previously made his Rottweilers in the past. That's his Liebenhounds, or whatever he called them, his love dogs. Or, yes, yes, it is. It is it, this weird in the the um, the subtitles of the gravestone. It, it is really like three dogs of love or something. It's very very weird. But uh, but it's just it's such an odd presentation because of and this is one one of the things I really liked about it, even though I. I don't know that I would ever want to watch this movie again, although I watched the number one movie twice. Um, I did not watch this one again, and I don't know if I ever want, will again. It's that weird presentation, prof- professorial presentation he gives where he goes, uh, good news, your tissues match. So I'll explain uh. this spectacular operation only once. And then he goes through like a PowerPoint of what what he's going to do to them while the Japanese guy is screaming at him. It's so weird. Well, and I think, too, I, Human Centipede is one of those movies, almost like Blair Witch Project, where once it enters popular consciousness, it's going to lose a little of the impact. I, I was, you know, I went into this not knowing that that presentation was where I first realized what the premise of the movie was. Right. Uh, and it's also, I, I 
don't think – I mean, I, I guess people know this. Like, I, I was sure that he wasn't actually going to do it, that it was going to be about them escaping and there's going to really? be – yeah, like I didn't know but it was the movie's called done. Human Centipede. Right. This is what he wants to do. I mean, it, it, I, I was sure that. <laughs> um, but what? usually, when when the, when the weird killer is going to make like a human uh, coat out of like skin, he doesn't get to do it. Well, he'll do it to people like off camera, but it won't happen like he's done it before. Yeah, and then here's the people that's going to foil the plan, and one of them's going to escape. Like I, and he hasn't done it before though. Right, he did it with the dogs, though, and and so I, I sort of thought watching it, well, he's not actually going to do that. This is just the terrible fate that's in store for them, and now we're going to watch a slasher movie. You know, it was going to be that kind of thing. So I think not realizing what the premise is and then not realizing that these people are actually going to be subjected to this, uh, that's a lot of the uh, power, if you want to call it that, of – it's sitting through this movie. I'm watching this movie. Right. Yeah, the so, acting is not bad too. No, I think the acting is great. I mean, at, at least the three victims. I think Doctor Dieter Laser is weird and yeah, over the top sure. and strange. Yeah, but well, wait, wait, wait do you see the there. villain in the second one, Dingus? Yeah, is he going to watch the second one? No, don't watch the second one. The second one I like until the Human Centipede, <laughs> and then I re- I kind of felt more like Tom. Like, all right, I think I've seen this part. But the third one's he's going to make like uh, like the whole world's a centipede or something. I'm guessing is he is he done or I get yeah, he's a Dutch filmmaker though they probably have a whole different funding model over there I don't know. But he cranked that second one out and then the third one I guess is very complex <laughs> scientifically. But the second he's, guy's not even Dutch. a surgeon. I, I just assumed he was German because it took like uh, Tom Six is his name, and yeah, yeah, he's from the Netherlands. And the movie apparently was born of him having a conversation with a friend. It was one of those things where like a bar joke or something. Yeah, or like somebody had been convicted of like murdering a child, and they were talking about, well, you should do this to that guy, and they were just talking about the worst things you could do to someone. And this came from that, and he thought, oh, I'll make a horror movie about it. And it is something that it's never been in a movie before. So it actually fits the topic twice. Oh, is the topic something that's ever been in a movie before? A human centipede's never been in a movie before. <laughs> I didn't know it was. It's that only was been barroom. I was doing things that have never. And now seen. it's science fact. I was Why did he call it a centipede? I, I don't even know why he called it. Things you kind of agree with things. Oh, but on the set, I think I read that uh, Tom or Dieter Laser accidentally kicked the Japanese dude in the face. <laughs> Like it's it was in the script, but he it, you're, he was supposed to pull back, but he didn't or forgot, and the guy got mad. But they couldn't walk because they they had to sit in those uncomfortable. See, Labors of Love always impressed me too, Tom. That's why I think that movie. That's that's I, where you call this. I did kind of constantly think about the way they were harnessed to each other and how the actors would have to deal. Yeah, for for weeks and months. Um, and but yet I wasn't that one actress came back for a sequel. For the second one, she, she plays herself. Her. Yeah. And then she gets taken in again. So one of my criticisms with it is I, I feel it's a little odd that uh, it, it it has a kind of a happy – like she gets away. She's going to be – We fine. argued about this, that yeah. whether she dies or not. Well, yeah, it would have been a much bleaker ending if the cop – like if, if she had just been sort of left stranded between these two corpses. So you think it's too happy? Uh, I just wonder why he singles, why the director, why the story singles the her out. Brothers, it's the same. It's ah, I see. It's exactly like a Coen Brothers movie. Good point. There's, there's a reason. I mean, she's singled out be, because of who she is. And I mean, I'll talk about this with my number one later. But but 
But the doctor, the doctor singles her out as well. He's like, oh, now I know you're going to be my middle. You're going to be in the middle one because of what you just did. You know, uh, I mean, she's singled out because yeah, yeah, of yeah. who she is. I mean, that's why she survives. Because is the middle the worst, or is the back the worst? No, no. He he knows based on the fact that she's tried to escape, and she's given him such a hard time, and he's threatened her, and he said, "I'm going to pull your teeth out without any anesthetic." And he goes, "I'm really." Eventually, he says, "I'm really happy this happened because now I know you're going to be my middle." Um, I, I think that the, that it it totally makes sense that she survives. Why should she survive? Why? I mean, what? <laughs> because she has, she has the, she has that. She's not a victim. She has the instinct. She's the fighter. She's, she's the, the fighter. Uh, darny the Japanese guy is Vincent. He, the Japanese guy isn't a fighter. No. <laughs> Only women, Tom. Good point. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan. What's your number two pick for something that's never ever been in a movie before? Now that the topic has changed. Uh, my number two is in the movie Slither when the chick who's been impregnated with an alien parasite eats a bunch of dead raccoons and then explodes in a bunch of space leeches that turn everyone into zombies and before Slither I'd never seen uh, an actual raccoon I think that's never been in a movie you're right Uh, done over the hedge video game the year before so maybe that's my other number two my number one thing that I've never seen in a movie is uh, Kevin Bacon as as an invisible man in the hollow man because you can't see him Now that's at least cute, as opposed to your Blade Runner one, which is you going, "Hang on, let me consult my list of bullshit." Uh, blah 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 blah. Acceptable. Uh, Acceptable. Digus, what's your number one? <clears throat> number one thing that you've that's never been in a movie before. Do you like that movie, by the way? Is it your favorite? Uh, I haven't seen that in forever. I don't think so. I remember thinking everything about it was lame. Yeah. And I knew the guy who worked. He did the special effects for Starship Troopers, and after I was like, "Dude, those are the greatest, most violent movie ever." It's I'm so, you know, I was like praising him. And then after Holloman, I was like, "Oh man, you got to change careers." Well, yeah, because now he's doing uh, Kevin Bacon-shaped rain effects. Yeah, and I go, "You can't see what you're doing." So in a way, it was a terrible follow-up. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know a thing about the movie. I've never seen it. I just remember uh, Elizabeth Shue being on uh, Douglas Movies at some point and saying something bad about Paul Verhoeven wanting her to get naked. And then that's the only thing that I think Doug Benson has ever bleeped because she was so nervous about having spoken ill of. Oh, and now you've let the cat out of the bag. Nice work, Dingus. Now Elizabeth Shue will never work in this town again. Oops. Nice work. Oh, sorry, Ulysses. What'd she expect? It's Paul Verhoeven. That's why she's now doing she, Piranha. She didn't 3D. understand that she was on a podcast. It was awesome. She's so, uh, she was so charming. It was just beautiful. I heard that one, and she was really cute and sexy. I heard that podcast, oh, too. Her laugh. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. She was laughing about everything. Everything was funny to her. She's cutie. It made me miss... It made me want to rewatch Don McKay. Even. Because I think that's my favorite thing she's done, even though at the time... I thought Cry to Kid 1 was. And Back to the Future 2. Wait. Is Tom still here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. All right, my number one. Uh, here's a quote from it. Keep doubting, Etienne. Keep doubting at the end. Tom, what have I recommended? <laughs> the that's Al, Keep doubting at the end. I think he's Not at the end. The, the name Etienne. is Et- Etienne. Keep doubting, Etienne. Keep doubting. Oh, he watched Martyrs. That's right. Tom, did you know? No, I didn't. Uh, you didn't wow, know. How, does, how does Martyrs hold up? 
I cannot believe how much I love that movie. I knew it. Lord. I fucking knew it. Yep. Uh, I've been waved off by the two of you. Um, Tom didn't have faith in you. And I was like, I think this has made a sterner stuff and you don't know he's grown up. I love that movie. I, I don't, I can't explain why. Um, uh, I think it's a, I think it's really well made and I'm kind of knocked out by it and I love the end. I know, I think that Tom mentioned it in, in maybe in a three way three of like movies that are saved by the end. Yeah. Um, uh, or by the last shot, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but so I think I, movies you hated till the end, and yeah, like but, Martyrs. Uh, for me, I just didn't really care about it until you d- discover what you discover that it's this weird revenge. I did, but I, the ending is yeah. amazing. Uh, I I think it's I, I yeah I I went into it. I was you know uh, I was really reluctant to watch it because uh, I'm not a real big horror fan or a fan of this kind of movie usually, um, and. Uh, and but I, I really did want to make a task for myself of watching movies that, that Kelly has in particular talked about uh, with things I'd never seen. Oh, oh, by the way, I, I, I've never seen staples taken out of a person's head before, so that's that's the specific thing. Um, uh, I really, it turns out I really really liked it, and uh, it's it's weird that I, how much I liked it, and I watched it a couple of times this week um, just to sort of get. A feel for what's going on. I don't. I, I don't know why I like it. I don't know why it affects me. I don't. I think you like the transcendence angle of it. And I, I don't like know. I don't know what the. I don't know what it means. I don't know that the ending makes any sense. I don't know what the ending that necessarily does. But I. I really like. I love. Did that. You know how it made you feel. I love that character. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so I watched Martyrs this week, which was kind of an ordeal, but still, I really, really liked it. I'm so happy. Hmm. Things did everything right except watch Zapped instead of Human Centipede. For the number I've, two. But I've so seen Zapped. Like, I saw that all through high school. When I mean that, that's the time when you. Watch, <laughs> that's all you did when you watch a movie just to catch a glimpse of breasts. You know, you It's watch not really hurts either. That's kind of the bummer. Doesn't matter whose it is. You'll watch a whole movie just to get a ca- catch a glimpse, and you'll like deal with that sort of cable well, scrambling even. Uh, but, but, um, but this, uh, you know, I've seen Zapped many times. I, I, I entertain the idea of watching Zapped, but, but I, but I want to watch three movies that I had never seen before and, and get something out of them. So, so yeah, Martyrs is the last one. Uh, so the guy who did Martyrs, Kelly One, did you see the movie he did after with Jessica Beale? What? Uh, the Tall Man? No. Uh, it's awful. Uh, yeah, I don't recommend it. <laughs> Are you like, sure? Like Martyrs? Oh no, I'm positive. Uh, it has none of what makes Martyrs work. It's it's kind of a uh, just a what do you call well, it? Martyrs it's just a straight up mystery. It's it's got mild sort of supernatural leanings, but it's it. First of all, Jessica Biel is terrible in the lead. Uh, Jodel Furland is in it, but has no dialogue. Like they cast what? this great young actress named Jodel Furland. She plays a mute. Um, and it, it's just kind of messy and it has this weird, like kind of, it's trying to do a twist at the end, which doesn't work. And, uh, yeah, it has none of the sort of mean spiritedness of martyrs that made it work. Um, uh, all right. It's the only thing he's done since then, like martyrs. But as a Jessica Biel vehicle, how is it? Well, if you really want to see her, uh, lack of acting scuttle a movie, this is the movie for you. The tall man. <sighs> You're so mean to her. I, she's fine running away from like a chainsaw and, and that thing. 
I liked her in The Illusionist, and you didn't like her in The Illusionist, and you think I'm dumb. But you never like Paul Giamatti in anything that's period piece. He's awesome. Like, no, oh, no John Adams. Is she in London? She's awesome in London, I was going to say. Uh, all right, see? Yeah. See? Huh? Uh, Dingus, uh, for a fun exercise, uh, Google pictures of the freaky chick in the uh, head bracket thing from Martyrs. I, I don't think I will do that. No, you should, because she's an incredibly attractive model. It's, it's oh, really? I, oh, yeah. you know, I was so <laughs> curious about who they got to, to do this, because it's, it's this weird, unattractive, disgusting nudity. And all I could think of was it's got to be some wafy model that yeah, got Yeah, she's incredibly hot. It's funny. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's enjoying herself. It's actually, yeah, you're right. Watching those extras kind of takes a lot of the edge of the movie out because you can once you see like the scenes set up and stuff it feels less claustrophobic i guess uh so dingus you say you didn't get the ending well no, um, i don't know if i did either no it's not that i didn't i, didn't, I love the ending it's just that i'm not sure what what uh, the takeaway was what miss or mademoiselle uh what what uh, <sighs> What she, what the the idea is, and I'm sorry I'm going to spoil this because I think it's really worth watching. I'm, I can't believe I like this movie as much as I did. Is this this idea of of the the martyr transcending and and telling her something, and it's it's so profound or whatever that that she tells at the end to keep doubting, and then it's either so frightening that she doesn't. I, I don't know. It's. Yeah. I, I don't want to spoil. It. I don't want to talk too much about it because I think the okay. ending is wonderful. Well, it's, it's so profound. She takes that weird, like, what would that? What would possibly make you be? What would be so profound that that would be your reaction? Or that you wouldn't? That you wouldn't share it with somebody? Or it's yeah. so horrific? Then why would you cross over? It's just such an interesting. She's only anyone to know it, right? Yeah. And and I don't know that the filmmaker necessarily knows. I don't know what's going on, but I love the. I it's love streaky. the acting in it. I love the idea of it. It reminds me of something that, frankly, I uh, something sophomoric that I wrote is a in a in a playwriting class, but not nearly as good as this. Just the idea of what happens to these girls and what drives them. I I really really like the movie. Well, I I, I mean we can spoil spoil martyrs, right? It's, uh, it's I, I suppose we can. I mean it. I mean. It's so to me, I, the idea is that it is a, re, a, a revenge. That she's getting revenge on the people that have done this to her right. by by either lying to them or maybe it's the truth, telling them that it is all empty, that there is no higher truth, and and that they should just despair and die. But I mean, is she gaming them, or did she really see that? Doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't okay. Well, that's an interpretation that's different from Degas's, but equally intriguing to me. Like just as a, like she wins instead of. Well, I think she she wins regardless. It's just whether or not she's actually she's actually gone to that area that they say is martyrdom, or, or she's, she's faking it. Yeah, it does, I mean, she's I mean, after she's, being flayed. I mean, she's yeah. she's wrought her revenge by making them despair so much that they commit suicide. But I think uh, and the reason, like, when you picked it originally as like a movie that was redeemed by the final shot, I think a lot of that misdirection helps it too, because you're really not expecting an ending of that kind of power. Well, that's also yeah. And, you're and, watching an Eli Roth movie. Well, yeah, Martyrs is about three different kinds of movies. Right. I mean, briefly, it's a ghost story. It's a mystery. Yeah. It's a it's a, a, a murderous rampage against an innocent family, and uh, yeah, it's and exposition is, is usually it's when things start to suck. Like in the ring, it's exposition that I think kind of 
you just got to pretend it's not in the movie. But in this, the answers are interesting. Yeah. yeah. And freakier than the setup. Yeah. Although that, that moment where that, that, that moment, the, God, I got to tell you, the, the way the movie is set up, family at the table having breakfast and just this mundane kind of stuff and the brother and the sister, um, the, the weird, uh, uh, the weird misdirection of the sister running and screaming and it's clear that we're supposed to be misdirected and then she's and then they're all at the breakfast table and somebody rings the doorbell and and the sister's like who's the butthole it's Sunday (laughs) why are they ringing the doorbell and then the father goes to the door and that shotgun sequence is great I mean it's just staged amazingly it's a riveting movie it's so well shot well you guys have fun watching the tall man <laughs> Tom, so, you got us to watch this. So now you're no, don't watch the Tall Man. No, just, no, no. Just, but like, we're all diffusing about the thing that you converted us to. So <laughs> I, I should warn people listening. And, and uh, Martyrs is rated R for disturbing slash severe aberrant behavior involving strong bloody violence, torture, child abuse, and some nudity. Some, <laughs> just so you know. But if you watch uh, the extras, it'll cheer you up. Dingus, what did your son think of Martyrs? Yeah. Uh, he didn't like... He wanted to be a contortionist. He didn't like the musical numbers, but he loved the snowman and the butt jokes. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's the number one thing that's never been in a movie before? My number one, I'm really proud of this one. It was the uh, Death Star uh, 2 in Return of the Jedi, because I hadn't seen the second one prior to that. Although Capcom Vancouver is the only Death Star I've actually been inside of in RL. So I like called her throne room. It's Death Star 2. Oh, snap. Uh, Kelly Wan, what do the listeners have to say about this? What are things that they've never, that have never been in movies before? Uh, uh, it's a very unpopular topic. A lot of rage. <laughs> at me in particular. It's probably just because it's so challenging. Because <laughs> so many things have been in movies. I can't tell. See, much like martyrs, I don't even understand my own methods anymore because I'm scared of the listeners because they're always mad at us or me. But I also look forward to what they have to say about the stupidest topics. John Thomas Mason has to say, the first movie I recall seeing in the theaters was a release of Bambi in 1975. I was four or five years old. It had all three of the things in a movie that I had never seen before that impressed me. Number three, the killing of a protagonist, Bambi's mother. Wait, that was the first movie. Okay, anyway. Number two, Twitter Passion. Twitter Patian? Twitter Patian. And number one, a forest fire. Okay, so there's some more entries to read. Uh, Paul Weaver actually, writes. Oh, go ahead. Yes, uh, I've never something I've never seen in a movie before uh, is um, an elephant fly. Mm. I've seen a house fly. And, uh, yeah, I've seen. I've a, seen a butterfly. I've seen a dragonfly. See, the the greats. They, you know, they used. They, believe it or not, they made good movies before 1950. Uh, movies like Dumbo and Bambi. I've seen a song of the South. That's racist. Uh, remember that song of Peter Pan, uh, What Makes the Red Man Red? Uh, actually, I don't. It's in Hook 2, I think. Hook 2? Oh, hook 2. The uh, other side. <laughs> it's crossover, literally. Uh, Paul Weimer. I had no idea how to handle Kelly's topic, but here goes. 
Number three, the animated Hobbit movie, 77. Is that a movie or was it on TV? That's where I fucking saw it. That's not Paul Weimer, Mike. <laughs> this was the first time I'd seen a movie based on a book I'd read. All right, listen, people. I thought I explained this topic. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Paul Weimer's a Damn topic. it. <laughs> Everyone loses but dingus or wins. Uh, and it's truer to the book than the current movies, darn it. The idea of a movie based on something that I read sort of left me younger, the younger me gobsmacked. Tolkien uh, reference there. The uh, gobsmacker, the uh, famous sword. Uh, number two. Dress- hey, that's the Goblin King's name, please. Gobsmacker? Yeah. <laughs> Glamdring and gobsmacker. Uh, Gandalf doesn't even know her. Jurassic Park. Wait, I'm going to not read what he wrote after that. What would he say is the thing he's never seen before in Jurassic Park? A lawyer being smashed off a toilet. Damn it, Tom. All right, I was going to see a monorail car. Let's see what he said. When Laura Dern's Dr. Sattler drops her jaws at the sight of the big dinosaurs. How many jaws? First time I've seen jaws drop. Number one. She's holding two of the novelizations. They weren't novelizations, Dingus. They were written before the fucking movie. Kelly, uh, Kelly Ron, he was talking about the Peter Benchley novels. Those were movies. He's carrying several copies of it, and two of them fall. Oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> the so, book Jaws. Get it? What? <laughs> you think the covers are like Jaws and the pages are the mouth? She drops two of her Jaws. She's got an armful of the... Oh, I should have said Jaws. Wait, is Hook like what the Jaws catch on? Is that what Spielberg's trying to tell us? You're not going to bait me with that. (laughs) Going to need a bigger bait. Number one of Paul Weimer's Ben Hur, 1959. (laughs) I love when people put the year like that's zero. The world changed with the thing. It was the first time I saw a chariot race. Wait. Scar was alive in 1959, and it was absolutely awesome. It helped cement my interest in all things ancient Rome. Which will trickle into a lot of his three-by-threes. Paul Weimer's always throwing little historical nuggets in there. Paul, I want to apologize to you for uh, for taking Kelly Wan's three-by-three um, three topic seriously and not being treated with the seriousness that your picks deserved. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Yeah. I suck. Um, yeah, my landlord's making me read a book that he wrote. Is Paul? Is that Paul Weimer writing that? No, no, this is oh. me. And he he was saying something like, "It's about ancient Sumerians, I think." Oh Jesus! It's unreadable. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And he keeps hassling me. I don't even. This was my Canadian landlord, by the way. This was months ago, and every three days he's going. So, how's the book coming? Did you write the new review yet? Because I just wrote a thing like quirky, and then he wrote, "Can you write a long review of the book?" <laughs> And I owe this guy nothing. Right. But why am I somehow, like, because I'm a writer? This isn't like in lieu of rent, for instance. No, I have no reason to do it. I'm still doing it just because he's hassling me by email, and I left him a cat. Long story. Anyway, um, I was kind of like the guy in the movie. Emmett Coffin, my favorite named male listener. See how seriously he takes a topic. Go ahead. Here are my favorite three, three favorite things I'd never seen before in films. No confusion, Tom. Number three, Elvis Gratton, Le King de Kings. I had never seen a Quebecois Elvis impersonator before. Tom? Um, uh, you know, I've never met Private Presley. 
See, I was going to get these jokes. Number two, Zero Dark Thirty. I'd never seen Navy SEALs raid a terrorist home so efficiently before. So that was a qualitative difference he hadn't seen. Yeah, because when Charlie Sheen was on the team, there, there was a lot of faffing about. You know, clearly, they faffed. Uh, hey, above his email, there's like a a banner that says Clorox uh, eliminate germs now. Find the top five germiest places in your home. It's probably an ad. I wouldn't click on it. Okay. Osama. Osama. Number one, weekend at Bernie's. I had never seen a corpse being carried around and made to look like it's alive before. Hmm. I take the bullet for this topic, I think. Uh, Scott Dobrosilski writes... We, my wife Jamie and I, picked things we never saw before in a movie that were weird and or disturbing enough to stick with us. Number three, the dumpster monster in Mulholland Drive. I don't remember that. I don't either. Is there actually the a monster? Because I thought he was going to say something about the little thing in the Dianoga in Star Wars. I remember the cackling dwarves. Well, dwarves, dwarves. Who? who yeah, yeah who forget yeah. those. Uh, but dumpster. I remember. Uh, okay. And Naomi Watts is uh, number two, facial transplant surgery and eyes without a face. Is that the Mel Gibson one? Uh, or is he seeking a face-off? Wait, eyes without a face, they transplant, wouldn't they transplant the eyes? So I think it's a Spanish horror movie that I have not seen. That was just a Billy Idol song. Based on a Spanish horror movie. Do you hear the crickets? Kelly, want to let me handle the sound effects. All right. Number one of Scott Dobrosilski's Celebrity Meat Deli and Antiviral. Oh, well, I'll say. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. That's I know. A, that's yeah. a story that makes me just want to see the movie. Then he writes, Kelly want three by threes are the best. <laughs> Scott and Jamie. So there's that. actually a fair amount of stuff in, in Antiviral you haven't seen before. Uh, that's that's in the a good way. That's the finale. Like uh, yeah, in a good way. Yeah, like I, I really like the the take that on on celebrity culture and antiviral is is uh, pretty unprecedented. And uh, Cronenberg Junior is the new Cronenberg Senior. By the way, Scott has seen antiviral, and you guys haven't. So nice work, Scott. Why can't you guys be more like Scott? I'll watch that when Tom gives his topic of other things you have not seen. Before. Ah, right. Three things that I wish you were more like uh, that Scott is. It's going to be Tom's thing. Is, the, is that Caleb Landry Jones? Oh, yeah. You bet it is. All right. <sighs> the Clorox ad's still there. FYI. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's from Antiviral. What? Yeah. That's why that's there. I wondered. It certainly wasn't from any of Paul Weimer's picks. I feel like no one listened. Like, everyone stopped Play your, play your crickets. Sound effect. What, what, did you, what did you just say, Kelly? Very good, Kelly Wand. That's awesome. Dave Perkins writes, brief cause on phone. Hey, so he's on the phone with someone else now. <laughs> someone else who's probably, he's giving them a yeah, another, right. Yeah. In a better Jimmy Stewart voice. And then he goes on to fame. He's like Bob Dylan at the end of the movie. <laughs> All as Oscar Isaacs and Joan. Brief cause on phone. Hi, guys. You know, you could just write when the phone calls over. It's not like. Number three, opening song of Nightmare Before Christmas. I remember looking at my friend sitting next to me and squealing. 
Like, oh, shoot, I squealed. (laughs) (laughs) All of our jaws were dropped. Another jaws reference. Dropping jaw. Age 26. Wait a minute. The fuck? Start all over. Sorry, Dave. Your emails require many readings to really. It's like Joyce. Brief because on phone. Hi, guys. Number three, opening song of Nightmare Before Christmas. I remember looking at my friends sitting next to me and squealing. All of our jaws were dropped. Age 26. They're carrying a bunch of copies of the book, Kelly Wan. What's hard to understand about that? There's a book at Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> Number two, the mirror scene in Poltergeist. Mirror surmising. I love that one. There's a kid. There's a kid. Hmm. He's like in his 40s, but he's a kid. He's never seen Poltergeist. <laughs> he's describing the scene in Poltergeist as a, as a kid? What? No, that was me diverging oh. from... We're going to need you to do finger quotes when you're actually talking about the animal. <laughs> Nave, Nave Perkins, the mere scene in Poltergeist, I had never been entirely freaked out by a movie until that. Age, 15. <laughs> Although the sequential order of his age. <laughs> Dammy Perkins. Number one, the extended scenes, plural, and children of men, also plural, especially the battle scene in the city. That's singular. Could not believe what I was seeing. Age 42. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did ask for the age, and that was the real. Well, also, it, like Joyce, it was nonlinear. I don't know what that means. Which. Was Joyce the girl with yellow teeth? You compared him to James. Jo- I know. Good Lord. JK. Dave, in case Michelle doesn't write to herself, she was mentioning Raiders of the Lost Ark for its style, Clue for its multiple endings. I think that was the first multiple ending movie, huh? And Bicko for showing her something amazing that she knew nothing uh, about. Bicko. Jesus, can I want? What's that? On, on the, when, uh, the, the week that Nelson Mandela died. Bicko. Really? Bicko? Kelly Wan? Oh, Lord. Uh, I was raised in a racist household. Uh, Stephen Biko is a, a, a dissident who. Uh, yeah. So uh, I didn't know that. What's the What's the Biko movie? Huh? Is it called Biko? Yeah, yeah. But like, what is anyone famous in it, or what? I I, I guess I didn't remember or know. Is there a notable movie about him? Yeah. What is it? I thought it was an HBO movie, though. Okay. Sergeant Belko was an HBO. Oh, movie. Kelly Wanda. Hey, the Clorox ad, there's three of them. There's one on the top and bottom, and then off to the side with the Clorox logo. Can you send us a screenshot, Kelly Wand? Just, uh, well, I thought, it was, I thought I'm promoting our sponsors. <laughs> I'd like to bleach this topic, Tom prattled. I did say this, but wasn't Denzel Washington in Biko? Oh, maybe. I just don't. Anyway, go ahead. At least we know how to pronounce it. Actually, the reason I know how to pronounce it is because of the Peter Gabriel song, I think. Yeah. (laughs) What's the song called? Biko. Isn't it? (laughs) Why do you say it like that? Like it's a question? Because I don't know. The song might have a different title. Huh. Like Clorox Plus? That's enough. That's way too much product placement for one podcast. And now for the last letter from the listeners who support us by writing these, if you call that support class, uh, three by three. What the fuck was that? Fire QT three. <laughs> My only three by three choice. 
I can't tell what Kelly Wan is reading or saying. I really don't know. That's what I want him to do, finger quotes. What's a finger quote? About five pounds. <laughs> What's a headway? My only three-by-three three choice, where I've never seen that before, in War Games, at the family dinner, David's dad butters a piece of toast. Boy, he uses a lot of butter. So much butter on that toast. Then he takes his corn on the top, wraps the buttered toast around the corn, and twists. Holy <laughs> cats, that's brilliant. What a way to butter corn. I'm sold on that technique. I've never seen that before. Who's much- this in? That's fire. Uh, that's perfect. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this I love this pick. I love this so much. I remember that. Do you remember that in War Games? I either remember it or I remember you guys telling me about it. I, I don't remember which it is. It's in my head, but I don't know if it's there uh, from my own volition or from you guys putting it there. Um. <laughs> oh, I'd never seen that before. That's such a great pick. I'd never seen that before. You're, they're at dinner, and uh, and and he butters this piece of bread, and then he just like slathers the. He just puts the ear of corn in it. And I remember everybody in my theater going, "Ugh!" and me going, "Oh, that's so cool! That's such a great way to butter corn." That's genius, right? Yeah, I like never seen that before. Right? I love that. That's a great pick. I think I'd do it with pancakes because the bo- the toast would what? scrape off. Well, because you can't bend toast. It's not toast. It's it's bread. It's just a piece of bread. It's not toast. Oh, it's toast. You can bend bread, Kelly Wong. It's like you know. You remember if, it, if Brian bends, it's funny. <laughs> in, Brian, in olden days, you'd sit down yeah. at the table and you'd like just give people bread and butter that they could have with their with their meal. We don't eat bread and butter anymore, but they yeah. but but I just remember them like slathering butter on that piece of bread and then and then spinning the corn in it and uh, and and Wait. me sitting there going, "Oh my God, that's a great way to butter corn." And then, of course, the scene goes on, and the and the dad like bites into his. This corn's raw, and the mom says, uh, "I know. Can't you just taste the vitamins?" And he says, um, "Can we have some pills and cook the corn?" But I just, I love that. I love that moment because that's one of those things where you, where I sat there and went, "Hey, I'm going to do that when I get home." Directed by John Badham. Yeah, anyway. it's true. Bringing it full circle. I think circle. it's his favorite, and he directed Midnight Run. Uh, runners up? No. Wait, okay. wait. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just wanted to say that it would have been cool at the end of War Games if there was a nuclear war, and then the dad's method is like the way they all have to adopt because their like food supplies are low, so they have to like mix toast and butter. And he's like, "See, glad we held for that." And then the son's like, "Well, I guess I caused a nuclear war." And <laughs> or if they'd had to like put pieces of bread with butter around the missiles. I mentioned war games to Dingus, and he immediately conjured that scene. How does he do it? Love fire. <laughs> That's me, by the way. I was done reading before that. Uh, runners up for things you guys have never uh, seen before. Huh, okay. No, I only watched three movies I had never seen before that Kelly Wand has suggested. So right. Dingus rules. Tom fucking God. Wait, what about my Hollow Man pick? You liked it. Did I? No, I didn't. Yeah, you I did. I think it's pronounced Holloman. Holloman. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Uh, so we got a, a couple of comments a few weeks ago about... Um, oh, shit. Uh, well, uh, Paul Walker died in a car wreck here in Southern California. Uh, and a couple of folks commented, someone in the comment section, I got an email saying, oh, you guys didn't mention anything about Paul Walker. Because we've 
talked about I'm a huge Paul Walker fan. I know Dingus is as well. Kelly Wan used to make fun of us for that. He won't anymore. No, I like um, him. But we don't know the dude. Um, so we didn't mention on the podcast, which uh, I, I think we think of the podcasts as something that aren't, for the most part, aren't They're bound to. Uh, we, we think of them as things that aren't bound to a specific time. I mean, every now and then we'll talk about trailers, whatever. We, uh, we're we not that consistent. But for the most part, we think that the podcast is something that you might listen to weeks, months, or even years after we record them. Uh, maybe you rent the movie and you want to sort of hang out with people who just saw it as well and hear them talk about it. And we do the podcast sort of as that. So we don't do a lot of current event topical stuff for the most part. Um, but it was certainly heavy on my mind. I distinctly remember uh, I had been asleep for the entire day. I'd blown an, an entire day sleeping. And when I got up, Dingus said, have, have you seen the news today? And I said, no. And he said, something bad happened. And I immediately was thinking like a 9-11 kind of thing. So that when he said Paul Walker died, I, I was sort of a little relieved, but then uh, bummed out. I mean, I, I, I really did like the guy. I think we all did. So oh, yeah. it wasn't – we didn't not mention it because it wasn't something that we had thought about. So, but what do you to say that's uh, like an original – Well, hold, hold that thought, Kelly. Oh, uh, so because we don't do uh, current events and topics and stuff, we don't do news, as Kelly Wan said, we do do three-by-threes. And three-by-threes are there because with a three-by-three, three, as you have just heard, we can do whatever we want. Uh, Dingus did his most recently about uh, bridge scenes because he wanted to bring up the bridge scene in, in Annie Hall after I excluded Annie Hall from Manhattan. Black and White Movies. Oh. Uh, after I excluded Black and White Movies at 1980. So Dingus did his own 3x3 three three because he wanted to mention this scene. And by the way, that 3x3 three three of Black and White Movies, I did that because I had just seen Francis Ha and I wanted to talk about that. Kelly just did his latest three by three about things you've never seen in movies because he's who knows because he's Kelly Wand who can figure that out but he did it because he wanted to do it so it's a good point over the next week I would like you guys and that's we are all going to do it here to think about your favorite Paul Walker moments uh, just specific moments specific things not just hey I like Fast and Furious four I don't want that I I want specific moments and if you don't have any that's fine we'll we'll bring some to the table um specific things that that you have seen Paul Walker do that that you liked um on the the commentary track for a movie that we really like called Running Scared uh, directed by a South African fellow named Wayne Kramer um. Kramer sadly notes in the commentary track that a lot of directors hire Paul Walker to, quote, lean on a car. <laughs> and that's it. And uh, that's true. He's a good-looking fella, and he looks good on a car. But he's done other things, and Kramer definitely appreciated that about him in Running Scared. And Kramer just did a movie called Pawn Shop Chronicles, which I think is horrible. But he hired Paul Walker to do something very different than his normal thing. Um, so what we'll do is we will take this week to either rewatch Paul Walker movies. Uh, we'd invite you to do that as well. Maybe check out one that you haven't seen. Um, eight well, below hours. Uh, hours will be out. Yeah, this week. Um, eight below is a very silly movie, but it's it's a little irresistible. I find it lovable. Uh, Into the Blue is a solid, exciting thriller. I think it's a little underrated. Uh, the Lazarus Project. You've probably never seen that. You've probably never even heard of that, but I think it's worth watching for his performance. Um, he stands out in movies like Takers, 
uh, Pawn Shop Chronicles, which I just mentioned, even though neither movie is particularly memorable. Uh, certainly, we can't get enough of Running Scared. Uh, of course, if the Fast and Furious movies are your thing, you've got you've got five of them with Paul Walker. So next week's three by three is just your favorite Paul Walker moments. Um, would if you have any, send them into three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at sign, and then you spell out quarter to three dot com. Uh, send us one, two, three, as many as you like, um, and we'll show up with three of our own. So any questions? All right, pretty straightforward. No, I think it's great. It's a great choice. Good job, Tom. Uh, we will also be seeing. Uh, oh, God, uh, Kelly, one is there any any way I can wriggle out of this? No, and uh, look, can I get a note? <laughs> like if I have a note from my doctor saying that I'm allergic to CG. <laughs> okay, listen. Yeah, so We're seeing what, the Hobbit. Oh God. Yeah, and, go and by the way, mm-hmm. Tom's only saying it because. I'm driving up to Sherman Oaks to see it with him, so you fuckers can get an opsis of The Hobbit. But here's three reasons why I think Tom should want to see it. Oh, God. One, Side, I'm looking forward to getting to hang out with you in a movie. We don't get to do that enough, but that's not one of the three reasons? Okay, A, people will listen to a podcast about The Hobbit, I think, because they'll see it and go, you guys didn't understand the beauty of that CG elf shit. And then two... Okay, the first part of the book was just washing dishes and shit, but if this is the middle movie in the book, not much happens in They're that. They're drying them. I think this could be right. But there's also spiders and maybe a dragon in this one, so maybe it'll be like the... Which brings me to my third point, which is Avengers you didn't want to see, and now you watch it on a weekly fucking basis. So <laughs> you Avengers where you go, ah, and then you go in there, and you know the Hulk punches Gandalf, and you're, oh hey, duh, I'm a merchant marine. Whatever you say. Tell you what, I already like your rendition of the Hobbit movie far better than anything Peter Jackson could do for me. Because he's got to pull shit out of his ass just to fill the movie. And it has to be fighting. And yeah, I know. We saw that. We saw that last year. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, but eh, I don't know. Like, it's just Cliff- Phantom Menace one. Yeah, right? how about that awesome clifftop fight? Remember that, Kelly? I know. I know. I know. You know what? Remember all the frames per second talk? I'll tell you what. If this one's as bad, then we don't have to see the third one. How's that? I'll take you up on that. Fair enough. And we get to see a movie together. It's, my, it's our first movie together since what? What was the last thing we saw? Amazing, uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, hmm. well. And before that, it was This Means War. And before that, it was Conan. So we have a pattern, granted, but we could blow this cold streak any minute. This could be the movie that makes us enjoy movies together. Well, I will say in defense of... And uh, Animal Kingdom. We're already at the point where we enjoy movies together. Yeah. Anyway. We have... We're on like a bad movie streak. I, I can't imagine that this Hobbit movie could be any worse than the last one. Right. I mean, that got that was in a comic. That's the slogan for it. That's quite a gauntlet. It says it in the book, even. It's All right, novel. so uh, I presume you're going to see it as well out there, America listening. Uh, you certainly loved that first one. You threw enough damn money at it, so uh, you're probably going to see the Hobbit movie. So join us after you've seen it for a very spoilery a uh, discussion of it next week. A very special episode of the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast. Yeah. The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, and our favorite uh, Paul Walker moments. <laughs> that. So uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Milchewski. It's Christian Morosky. And uh, Kelly Wand. Uh-oh. Huh. <laughs>
lost in sorrow. Yes. That fucking movie. What's the worst Coward Brothers movie to you? That movie. What's the matter with you? Obviously, Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, oh no, the Intolerable Cruelty. You know what? I have a soft spot for Intolerable Cruelty for some reason. Okay, then I'm going to change my answer to Lady Killers. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Do I want to? You haven't. No. But it's- uh, they did a script, Kelly Wan, that they that was so bad that they couldn't even direct it. Uh, and it stars Colin Farrell as and and, and Cameron Diaz. Uh, not Colin Farrell, uh, the other Colin Firth. Colin Firth and Cameron Diaz as uh, they go on an art heist against uh, Alan Rickman, and they're going to steal a painting or whatever that he's got, and he's got a live lion that's uh, guarding it. Um, God, this sounds awful. Damn, sounds like a John Heath. <laughs> sounds like Cameron Diaz and a bunch of cheetahs. Yeah, it does, it does sound kind of similar. He's right. She's Wait. actually kind of precious in it. Uh, but it's it's really so it exists. Yeah, yeah, it's called Gambit, and the Coen brothers wrote it and gave it to someone else to direct it, and it's it's just awful. When was it? When so did that's it the worst one. Uh, this year, this year, it's it's one of those things that just uh, I think it was probably a straight to video release. Um, yeah, it's so weird. Like they would just say, let's rewrite this with Colin Farrell. I'm guessing that they wrote it and they threw it out, and someone found it in their trash. That's right. It without their permission. Ah, very good, Kelly. Warren. See, <laughs> perhaps you die upon this train. See, that's the like the spaceship song that the public likes. It's just the beat Oscar music song about lynching. David lynching, corpse sing. Dingus. Kelly, the language. I'm not one of your Orange County friends. <laughs>